sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. We're just a few hours away from the final game of the Week 13 NFL season and perhaps the final game of your fantasy season. Welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. Craig Mish, Joe Pizapia. Tonight, of course, we've got the Cowboys taking on the Baltimore Ravens. We'll see if the Ravens can rebound after their Wednesday night game last week. Of course, also some hot stove news as the Chicago White Sox making news, signing a couple different players. One in Adam Eaton today. Yesterday, they acquired Lance Lynn, so the White Sox are certainly making news as well. And so a lot to get to in this hour, Joe, as we go over everything in terms of the NFL, and we'll cap off the week tonight with the Dallas Cowboys and Baltimore Ravens. Hopefully, we'll get a good game out of it. Yeah, and look, yesterday was a pretty fun day there. He had Rysel Iglesias moving in MLB, have Lance Lynn moving, so more action than I thought we'd even get. So just that alone, like actual players with fantasy impact getting in different teams, and you know, we'll see if Rysel Iglesias can be the answer there in the bullpen. I think he's low-key been one of the best closers in baseball the last couple of years, and yeah. people just kind of take him for granted. And I just don't know what the Reds are doing. They let go Archie Bradley and then trade Rysel Iglesias. Maybe they'll go resign Archie Bradley now. I don't know. I have no idea what they're doing. But certainly the White Sox are announcing their presence with authority and saying, hey, we're the class of this division. We can go out there. We're young. We're fun. We're hip. We're cool. And we're going to go out there, and we're going to bring in a number one starter to pair with Lucas Giolito. And I'm loving this. I think it's great. And look, it's tonight's a big game here. Certainly a big game uh, to finish out of the regular season for most teams in the fantasy playoffs. Now, just to update you, in that battle that I'm going forward with with Dane Martinez, we talked about yesterday in the Flex League to mm-hmm. defend that championship. Uh, I am now up by 40 with he has Ezekiel Elliott left, but Deontay Johnson and Cole Beasy last night on my roster. Oh yeah. Pretty good night. Mm -hmm. Pretty good night for those two guys. So that kind of put it up there, but I'm still six and seven at best. So it's going to be tiebreakers for me to backdoor into the championship, but don't let me in. I'm telling you right now, you let me in that door. I'm going to go and I'm going to run the table again and defend the championship. It's going to be the Cinderella story. We all hope for in 2020, Craig. So how do you get in? Uh, Because in this league, the last spot, there's all right. where there's a bunch of teams that are either seven and six or six and seven. So some okay. six and seven team is going to get in, but there's gotcha. also one spot. We do something uh, and Jake does it in the flex leagues where the last playoff spot goes to the team that has the most fantasy points on the season. Yeah, we do not that actually too. the best yeah. record. So mm-hmm. some leagues don't yep. do that. And I can understand that's frustrating. And, and I, you know, I tell people all the time, you know, look for double header scheduling, look for all play scheduling. You can do that on most of these sites nowadays. And it's not that hard to figure it out. And, you know, people complain, they say, Oh, I got all these points and I'm missing the playoffs or I'm like the third highest scoring team. Well, then fix the league. You know, there's ways to play. We don't have to just play one single team every week. And that is not necessarily the best way to find out who the best teams in your fantasy football league are. And I wish more teams would start more leagues. I should say, start to make that adaptation of whether you're playing two teams every week or whether like even in the diehards, the football diehards dynasty league, which is 16 teams. It's actually, (laughs) believe it or not, it's actually 32 teams. There's doubles of every player. It's insane. It's madness. Uh, but 16 teams, IDP, the whole thing, we're in this league, Bob Harris, me, Mike Dempsey, all of our friends there. And I- I'll tell you, even in that, we play double headers every week. And I think it's smart because I think what it does is it starts to reward over the course of a season the teams that are performing better. Because everybody can have some bad stretch of luck. 
and they shouldn't be penalized because they're scoring more points than the rest of the league. And I think that's something that more teams should look at and more leagues should look at adapting in 2021. All right, as we welcome in our radio audience, here are the headlines for our second hour of Fantasy Sports Today. DJ Moore, Curtis Samuel placed on the COVID-19 list. I believe they could be eligible to return this weekend for the Panthers. We'll see. Uh, Cowboys' Zach Martin may not play tonight, may not play for the rest of the season with a calf injury. He's probably better off, honestly. Not better for Dalton, but better for him. Uh, college basketball has a really good schedule tonight, including Duke, Illinois, two teams in the top 10. Also, Creighton takes on Kansas. Kansas looks pretty good, and they really started their season with their win over Kentucky. But who knows what Kentucky is at this point? They have not played well. And as we mentioned, the Cowboys will take on the Ravens on Tuesday night football. So certainly this game is huge for the Ravens. Uh, basically, they can't lose. I mean, that's really what it comes down to tonight, uh, given everything that they've gone through and how poorly they played last week's game. Uh, where they backdoor covered against Pittsburgh, they basically can't lose tonight, Joe. If they do, I don't think they make the playoffs. I think you're right. And look, the Dallas Cowboys are just not playing good football. I mean, it's just, it's, I know that's the understatement of the century. And I know we all know that, but you know, (laughs) we're sitting here, I know, but we're sitting here in week 13, just closing at week 13. And, and I'm one of those people that does not like the Dallas Cowboys particularly. But I always feel like the NFL is better when they're good. You know, it's it's good. It's good to have, like, the Yankees be good. It's good to have the Cowboys be good. It's fun to watch them compete in big-time games. And once Dak Prescott got hurt and the unraveling of this team, and I don't know, I, I just look at the Dallas Cowboys right now, and I just don't know what kind of fight they have in them. I know they've played better defensively in the last few weeks, but still not great. It's just been the the complete and utter, you know, disaster of the offense since Dak went down and this was one of the most prolific offenses in the league for the first month of the season when Dak was healthy and I think there's no question now when you step back from it and you've seen what life looks like without Dak Prescott that there's just no way that the Cowboys can't go forward with Dak going in 2021 like you've got to make sure he is your guy and you've got to get some better personnel and some other spots there you've got to clean up this defense big time and I wonder if a guy like Anthony Lynn might be the perfect fit for the defense like maybe he does go and take a coordinator job maybe he does kind of you know get back in and like that's a really good leader that's a guy that people get behind and I think it's unfortunate what's happened with the Chargers and somebody's got a swing for it unfortunately and I hope it's not Anthony Lynn but I feel like it's going to be maybe it will be his defensive coordinator but i think next year you're going to see a new coach new coordinators new everything in dallas i just feel like they this mike mccarthy experiment as it were did not work and i don't think that the injury to dak prescott was enough to you know basically let him hold on for 2021 it's been that bad coming up next time for us to dive into sports cards russell wilson's cards in a graded 10 what are they worth tell you next SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Well, holiday season is just around the corner. Of course, Hanukkah coming up this weekend, Christmas in a couple of weeks, and the sports card industry has really taken off over the last six months, so I can only imagine what the next few weeks are going to look like on eBay and all of the buying sites. Well, 
Someone who definitely can weigh in on that is Josh Cohen of PC Sports Cards and PCSportsCards.com. He's the number one submitter in the country for graded cards to Professional Sports Authenticator, sending out almost 10,000, sometimes more, per week. And he joins us now to break down the sports card market, as he always does. Josh, great to see you again. How was your weekend? Great to see you, Craig. It was wonderful staying up until 2.30 to watch ASU lose another heartbreaker. <laughs> well, basketball season is here, so good thing. Go, Remy. Uh, on on deck for you. Um, okay, so let's get started and start off with the hot product, the new product. And yet again, here we go. Panini put out their Prism product. You can't find it anywhere in the stores. You got to go spend like $1,000 a box to get it. And that just seems like so crazy to me to think that, you know, back in the 80s, of course, you could buy a box of cards for $20. I even get a few hundred dollars, but $1,000 a box for football cards? I mean, What's what's getting in those cards? Well, what are you going to get out of there spending $1,000 a box? What's crazy is Panini released some on their website for $9.99 a box, limit of five, and it sold out in something like eight minutes. Oh. So it's it's it, that's just what the market is, right? What are you going to get? You're going to get more of the same that you got with Mosaic, but a more, more recognized brand and the best brand out there. So you get your Justin Herbert rookies. You'll get your Joe Burrow rookies. You're going to look for your inserts, your gold refract, gold prisms, I'm sorry. You know, your autographs, but really you're going you're going for those rookie cards that you want to send and you want to grade. One thing that we've noticed so far is that Prism is a little condition sensitive, mm. which means those grades might be a little bit harder to get, which will then carry even a bigger premium. Mm. No, that's interesting there, because if you're not getting tens and you're getting nines, and everyone's gonna complain about that. <laughs> no, you can't get a nine anymore. A nine not is forbid. Well, it's it's a great card. Everybody wants ten or nothing. That's Everybody's going to start saying that they're, they're controlling the pop, like they've been saying with with basketball prison from last year. When, if you look back at a lot of rookies, a lot of key rookie cards, Russell Wilson, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, all those guys under fifty percent PSA tens from the key card. So it's not not a new thing that these cards aren't coming out in perfect condition. You know, people just expect what they want. They do. They do. You know, before we get into the, the card you got back this week, and it is a tops card we're going to talk about, I, I guess this is something that we haven't really talked about pre-show, but do you think that tops gets back into the football market and the basketball market, Josh? Because as you mentioned, Prism and Panini, I mean, Panini's putting out like a dozen products over the course of two months. I, I mean, sure. I, I can't say that tops is regretting getting out of those markets because I really don't know what their what their finances look like, but it certainly seems that now would be a good time for them to jump back in if they wanted to. So I'm not sure they wanted to get out of that market. I think Panini made a very attractive offer to the NFL and to the NBA to have unique licensing and have that guaranteed licensing. Nobody else has it. It's only Panini. And then when you look at baseball cards, Panini doesn't have licensing and only right. only Tops does, right? So I think they they're, they're, they would love to get back into it. I mean, think about putting out all these products. Um, it wouldn't make sense to stay out of it. These are it's the, hottest, the hottest two sports. Somehow, in the last 12 to 18 months, baseball has become the most undervalued sport out of all out of the three major sports. It's it's crazy. Yeah, and that's my and that's my primary sport too. But uh, let's take a look this week. I know it was a tough game for the Seattle Seahawks, but one of the cards that we've seen rise quite a bit over the last few months, and I think people realize Russell Wilson is uh, going to be a first ballot uh, Pro Football Hall of Famer when it's all said and done. He's, he's definitely trending toward that. I know you got a big card of his back this past yeah, week. I know he has a, base, top. a We got a base tops Chrome back. There's okay. about 800 of them. It sells for about $900. Russell Wilson might be the first first ballot Hall of Famer to never have an MVP boat also. Mm. <laughs> yeah. 
So, but going back through those base rookie cards, those those key collectible, key investment cards, you know, I was looking at all the numbers today, and one person that sticks out to me that we didn't get one of these back, and we very rarely see them, was Aaron Rodgers' 2005 Topps Chrome rookie. You know, there's only about 250 PSA 10s, wow. but he sells for basically pennies on the dollar when you compare him to Brady, Mahomes, comparably to even Kyler Murray sells for a better rate. You know, it's not as much, but there's just so many more of them, so the market cap is a little bit higher when you look at it from an investment standpoint, right? Yeah. So I think that's a great value. Yeah, you don't really see for some reason that that year that that uh that 2005 top, you don't see a lot of top chrome out there. I'm not sure why that is. I remember looking for uh Frank Gore recently, like in a cheap at a cheap price. I just couldn't find yeah. any of that year. Maybe they were underproduced or something that year. I don't, which, I don't remember. Which even more, less supply equals, you know, a higher price in theory, right? So even more so that should be it's only it goes for about $2,000, which is not an only, but it goes for $2,000. Mahomes is 7,500. Brady is seven thousand. Mm-hmm. You know, Russell Wilson's eight hundred. Kyler's four fifty. Like you're looking at all these numbers, and Rodgers, who might be the most talented, arm talented quarterback we've ever seen. You know, Mahomes has a lot, a lot more years left, but sure. Rodgers might be the most arm talented quarterback we've ever seen. And it isn't only when you compare him to those other guys. Yeah, and I do have. Let's see what I, what I, I mean. I submit my cards through Josh, as people know, and um, I did. Josh has a few Aaron Rodgers of mine, definitely a couple of Topps Chrome uh, Russell Wilsons too, as I recall. I definitely do got them in at a good price. We'll see if I end up getting that card back and and what that grade would be over the next month or so. Well, the reveal. It's time for us finally to do our reveal. Uh, we got back the card that we sent in. You may remember this from a previous episode. Pulled out a 1971 Wilt Chamberlain Tops card, and we were going to guess the grade. And if you want to go back and watch our shows on demand, you can certainly see. Uh, both of us are going to end up being wrong on this one because I thought the card looked good, not as good as it got. Josh card thought the card looked good, but not even close to what it got. So what did the card grade, Josh? The big reveal, the 1971 Wilt Chamberlain, guessed the grade, got A. What did it get? PSA 7. Oof, good card. See? The great card. Be optimistic, man. So it's funny. Like, like, yeah, what, what did I say again? A 5? Get a 5, maybe a 4. You said a 5, and if a you get a 6, day is six. a grade, right? It's a okay. good day is 6. You know, what's funny is I go back to when I used to review cards for people, and I there was somebody that I'm like, oh, this card, like, it's a borderline 9.5, and it came back a black label. Maybe I'm just a little too hard when it comes to looking at cards. Maybe that's why I get 90% when I actually evaluate the cards. Who knows? Right. Well, you see more cards than anybody, so you should do that. So so the bottom line for this card is it ends up being a 7. The the big jump on this one had it been an 8, and uh, there's a little bit of a print defect by the uh, the Lakers logo, so I guess that, that's why it brings it down to a 7. But, I mean, Josh, anything in vintage that you're getting 7, I mean, no one's getting 10, but let's just say 7, 8, or 9, it drives the price up, certainly. And, and so this card goes from... Uh, a card you could buy on eBay, let's say, for 50 bucks. I think that that's probably a fair price yeah. for 50 bucks. to all of a sudden, I send it to you. It comes back to me, and the card's worth over $400. That seems like a pretty good deal. <laughs> Not bad to throw $65 at something and make 500 bucks, right? Right. Yeah, no, that's for sure. Uh, all right, so before we go, Josh, let's talk about just real quick, any undervalued players, wide receivers, rookies? I know that you're seeing a lot of mosaic, and now all of a sudden everyone's going to be sending prism to you. We're to seeing grade. a lot of mosaic, and on your point about the boxes being so expensive, something's going to have to give. So it leads you to believe that 
those other players might be worth more. We talked about this last week a little bit. I did a poll on Instagram. We had about 2,000 people view, about 400 people vote. And 70% of people think that wide receivers are undervalued. If the market thinks that it's undervalued, it's most likely undervalued. You know, we got a we got a DeAndre Hopkins card back this week, PSA 10 rookie card, probably the best receiver in the last three or four years, saved Devontae Adams, Michael Thomas before this year, you know, and you can get his rookie cards for 200, 250 bucks compared to these quarterbacks that are playing for not even a year. And you're already looking at over a thousand dollars for their PSA 10. So that long-term value might be there. If those guys have those Hall of Fame track careers, they might be the right investment. Yeah, no, it's interesting. You don't always have to spend thousands of dollars to make the right investment, and uh, that's what I'm trying to learn back in the sports card market for sure. Uh, Josh, thanks again for coming on the show. I look forward to next week. Our next guest, The Grade, will be one week from today here on SportsGrid, another NBA vintage card. We'll see how we do. Uh, have a great week. Always great to talk to you. Really good information as well. We'll talk soon. Thanks so much, Craig. All right, Josh Cohen, you can find him over at PC Sports Cards on Twitter and also on Instagram. And again, if you're considering submitting cards for grading or maybe even consignment, Josh is the best in the business out there. And certainly, as you can see, got a seven on Will Chamberlain. Can't complain with that. We'll take a quick timeout here on Fantasy Sports Today. Joe will join me again as we continue to roll on here on this Tuesday on FST. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Final game of week 13 in the NFL. Maybe the final game for a lot of you in fantasy football and hopefully the final Tuesday night game of the NFL season. That's for sure. I'd love to see stick with Monday night, Thursday night, Sunday night at this point. But I believe that they're going to be some Saturday night coming up soon. But these Tuesday nighters are definitely weird. That's for sure. Let's take a look at the FanDuel Sportsbook and the updated odds for this game tonight. Dallas at Baltimore. Ravens are minus eight and a half. The total is 45. If you had a team with this many injuries, with this few talented players, basically, at this point on defense, and you changed the name of Dallas and you made it Carolina or Jacksonville or Philadelphia or somebody else, the Ravens would be two touchdown favorites in this game. But it's Dallas, and because it's Dallas, they always want to give you a, you know, a little bit of a tax on taking them for sure, at least in my opinion. That's what I think. But the total is 45 I wish I had a feel for either of these two teams tonight. I don't think I'm going to have any involvement whatsoever in this one. Maybe on a total of thinking uh, and over just because Dallas can't stop anybody defensively. Maybe Baltimore gets healthy, but I, I got I got no feel for this one. No, I'm with you. I'm not going to have any uh, shares in this game either. Uh, and in terms of fantasy shares, I'm just waiting on one more good game from C.D. Lamb. Can I eke that out? That'd be nice. I'd like to have that in this one, but... I will take slight offense to that one thing you said. We said if this was Carolina, because Carolina fights, man. Carolina is in those games. They are fighting tooth and nail. And, I'll, and, you know, as much as we kind of will take shots at times, and, and maybe fairly so with the Jacksonville Jaguars, the last couple of games, you know, they were close against Green Bay in Green Bay. 
They took the Minnesota Vikings to the limit <laughs> just recently this past weekend. So I don't know. Like, I don't know if those teams are necessarily all that worse or or in that same category as Dallas or if Dallas is worse than them. I think you can make the argument at times this year, Dallas has looked as bad as any team in football, if not the worst team in football sometimes. So I keep waiting and you keep waiting for the get right Lamar Jackson game. And I don't know if is this the response where he comes out after missing this past week's game and all the frustration is just lets it out on Dallas. Like that's a fun narrative. That'd be a great story for us to come in tomorrow and sit down here and discuss at noon on Sports Grid. I would love that. I'm sure you would love that too. The big Lamar Jackson game where he rushes for 100 yards, throws for 200 and everything looks great. I don't know if we're going to get that. It doesn't feel like it's in the cards for this offense this year. And that is what's so frustrating about this team right now. And look, John Harbaugh is a great coach, not a good coach. He's a great coach. And I think that he has kept this team relevant. He's been willing to make adjustments, make changes over the years, and, and still continues to keep this team at the very top of that division for more than a decade. But I just starting to feel like we're closing in on the season's end. And we have not seen one of these Lamar Jackson big-time action spectaculars yet. And I don't know. It's starting to feel like we're just not going to get there. So although it seems to make logical sense to go with the over in this game because of what you're saying, it feels like it could go to the under to me. It feels like the other way because we keep getting caught up in the what should happens, what should happens, instead of what's actually happening. What's actually happening is that Baltimore is playing good defense. Baltimore played great defensively that game last week against the Steelers. They really showed out there. I thought there was a fantastic effort for them. And if they give that same effort that they gave last week in this game, then I think that the Cowboys are in for a very long night. But I'll say this. I don't know if that loss last week mentally has kind of defeated them a little bit. I don't know if the last two weeks has mentally defeated them. This is going to be a fascinating game to see which Ravens team shows up. And are they capable of flipping a switch at this point. Are they capable of having Lamar Jackson be the Lamar Jackson of 2019? Because I got to tell you, we haven't seen that in 2020. Yeah, and I want to go back to something that you said there for a minute because there's no doubt that Jacksonville has fought and Carolina has fought. There's no question that those two teams are playing better and are probably better than Dallas. But when it comes to making the lines, Dallas right. is always going to get taxed. I mean, it's just the name. It's the team name. It's the jersey. It's the star that if you make Baltimore 12-point favorites over Jacksonville, you're still going to get a lot of people on Baltimore tonight. If you make Jackson, uh, Baltimore 12-point favorites just because it's Dallas, people are going to take Dallas. It's like Notre Dame in Alabama. The same people are always going to bet their teams. Dallas is still one of the most popular teams in professional sports, and so it's very dangerous making them a huge underdog of any kind. And this is pretty significant if when you think about it for them to be an, in a primetime game, you know, almost a 10-point underdog in this one. So it's not that I like them at all, but it's it's just the nature of, of making spreads. They're always mm-hmm. going to be what I would call attacks on the Cowboys, whether it's a point or two or a half. But uh, even with Carolina playing better, if Baltimore is playing Carolina tonight, I still think Baltimore's double-digit favorite against Carolina just because of the team name. Sure. And it's sad to say, but it's part of it's just part of betting. All right, let's take a look at Lamar Jackson and his proposition wagers tonight. You can find these over on the FanDuel Sportsbook. We got the over-under on his passing yards, and that number is 181.5, and, and the over-under on his rushing yards is set at 50 and a half so i guess that if i felt the best about any of them 
it would be over on the rushing yards. That would be the one that I would be the most interested in at 50 and a half. I do feel like he kind of gets that in his sleep, regardless of who he plays against, and it is mm-hmm. Dallas. But if he was to have a bad game, I don't think that would preclude him from still going over on the rushing total. It would on the passing total. So that's the only lean I would have. And I don't really play the props market all that much, but that's that's my opinion. Well, look, honestly, I think it's an over on both. And and looking at his game log and looking what Dallas has not done this year defensively, you know, his game log is consistently around both of these numbers, and that's why you get this prop bet. But, I mean, when you factor in Dallas's ineptitude at times, I, I just I see him getting somewhere around 200 yards passing, and I would see him getting somewhere around 65 yards rushing in this game. It just, Especially with all that's gone on and all the dramatic swings what's gone on in the running back position there. You know, Lamar kind of has to, I think, at this point, just kind of take over the offense for better or worse. I think you need to let him just let it hang out. Let Lamar be Lamar at this point, and... You know, it is really frustrating to see a team that looked as dominant as possible. This time last year, Lamar Jackson was all anybody could talk about. The Baltimore Ravens looked like uh, they were impossible that anybody was going to beat them. And ever since that game against Tennessee, they haven't looked right. (laughs) They just haven't looked like the same team that you saw outside of that playoff game. They got beat. Gay came in there. Derrick Henry came and ran all over them, and they just haven't had the same swagger. And I feel like Lamar kind of needs that. Like, he needs that game to go out there and just just turn him loose, for better or worse. Like, this is your season. And and I think Baltimore understands the urgency. You saw the defense understood that urgency last week. I mean, they were fighting an uphill battle against the Pittsburgh Steelers, and yet they were still kind of in weird times in that game. But if the defense can, can show out again, and Lamar just – goes out there and, and is Lamar and just runs a buck. And, and I hope next year they give him something else. They need to go out there and get him some sort of, you know, Adam Thielen type wide receiver, sometimes Terry McLaurin type wide receiver. You know, you don't need to like hit pay dirt and get necessarily the very top of the board guy. Like you don't need to come down with Julio Jones and Devontae Adams to make Lamar Jackson successful. But look at the difference when Josh Allen got Stefan Diggs year over year. Look at the difference in that offense. And if you gave him Stephon Diggs, I guarantee you we would be seeing a similar season out of Lamar Jackson we're seeing at Josh Allen. And I and I think the play calling is good enough. They're smart enough in Baltimore. They just don't have the personnel. Hollywood Brown's uh, effort level, I told you, was appalling to me in that game. And then, of course, he had that one catch, that one moment where the defense got lax or something. They went for the ball instead of going for the player. Next thing you know, he breaks that big run because he's real fast. And that's your perfect Hollywood Brown circumstance in game. But Hollywood Brown, watching him fail on blocks, watching him fail on routes, watching him fail to catch other balls or be in the right spot, he, they don't have that. And, and Mark Andrews can only do so much. It's very easy to just target on Mark Andrews and shut him down. And I think the linebacking core that's gotten healthy now for Dallas can do that. Somebody in the wide receiver course to step up. And if not, then Lamar Jackson's just got to literally run all over Dallas. And I think he's capable. And to me, it's run Lamar Jackson, run Lamar Jackson, run him some more and then play some defense, and I think that is the recipe to win this football game tonight for them. Yeah, look, they signed Des Bryant. I mean, it tells you how desperate they were at at wide receiver for sure. The name that everyone's going to be talking about for sure this offseason, I think, is Allen Robinson, and I think that he would be a great fit, but uh, who knows? He'll be commanding a lot of money. He's very consistent through the years for sure, so... I, I kind of I, I kind of agree. I, I don't I don't think that there's any other way to look at it. And and in, I, I think for tonight too, Ezekiel Elliott is somebody that I need in in the one league that I don't think I have a shot even with a win because we didn't have enough points. But we need like 25 points from Ezekiel Elliott. 
I got to tell you, if this was two years ago, I feel pretty good about needing 25 and having Elliott. But given the fact that he just has not been that guy this year, I think that that's probably the end. Hopefully, as you mentioned, Lamb gets involved in the offense too because he's somebody that I own can just build some more points for me. And, and I think that even if you've won and you're going into the playoffs and you have anybody in these games tonight needing points, you don't want the guy having an unbelievable game, I don't think, because it won't matter. But you do want them doing something to lead you into next week. Like I think, for example, DK Metcalf's game last week was like the perfect mm-hmm. game that I wanted going into the playoffs. <laughs> That's fair. Not That's fair. five touchdowns, <laughs> but like five catches, six catches, 80 yards. Don't mm-hmm. save it for next week. I know it sounds Save nuts, it for the Jets. Save it all I've for the Jets next too. week. Yeah, like perfect. Like I got the Seattle D next week and Metcalf. I'm feeling, I'm feeling good. Well, look, I picked up Seattle D like, like five weeks ago. And I've just been holding them and not using them for the last five weeks. <laughs> and now finally get to roll them out. Actually, you know, I think I used them against the Giants. And take it back. I used them against the Giants this past. That didn't work out. But I, I, I would expect a better result against the Jets. You would hopefully. expect against a different New York team. Yeah, you would expect that. And then I expect Russell Wilson to uh, to take it out on the Jets. I think there's a lot of frustration with Russell Wilson building the last couple of weeks. And I think it's going to all come out there. Kind of like Derek Carr's frustrations got taken out. You know, that huge Darren Waller game. And this is, you know, whenever you have frustrations, they're like the spa for the NFL. You go there, you spend some time with the Jets, you come back, all of a sudden your stats look much better. Everything looks much better. And uh, yeah, look, tonight... I, again, it's this is a this is it for the Ravens. This is their literal last dance, their last shot to stay relevant. I think they will, but man, I don't know. It's just not been pretty all year for Baltimore. Fantasy reality is coming up next, and then we'll say so long for this Tuesday afternoon. Make sure you stay on the grid. We'll be right back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. All right, welcome back to Fantasy Sports. Today we're going to get to some fantasy reality in just a minute here, but there is uh, a big piece of breaking news today here on the show that the one of the great rivalries in all of, of college sports, even in pro sports, honestly, is the yearly battle between Michigan and Ohio State. Now, over the last five years, it's gone Ohio State's way. We've illustrated that. People talk about it. Jim Harbaugh struggles against uh, Ohio State. Michigan has not had a good year. And unfortunately for them, they're having somewhat of an issue with COVID-19, and Michigan has pulled out of that game against Ohio State this week due to that. Now, cynicism aside, controversy aside from that, we'll get to that another time. But moving forward, the issue for Ohio State for playing in the Big Ten championship game is they need one more Big Ten game under their belt in order to play for the Big Ten Championship. And in order to play for the Big Ten Championship, they got to get into the Final Four to qualify for that as well. So, Joe, this is really problematic for them. And I have a sneaking suspicion in the next 24 or 48 hours there's going to be another Big Ten game out there that's going to be postponed. And and I'm going to guess that the, one of those two teams that postpones is going to end up playing Ohio State so they can get in. I mean, I guess the thing is at this point, can Ohio State play Michigan State again? Like in a rematch <laughs> this coming week? I mean, maybe that's – I, I mean, know. I think Michigan State only lost by 50 this past week. Maybe they want to take their try at Ohio State again this week. 
I like this. I like the tinfoil hat mish, the conspiracy theory mish. This is great. This is good. Ratings are going to go way up, way up here. They, everyone loves the conspiracy theory stuff. I Look, you might be right. I mean, it certainly would seem that Ohio State is going to – it's only what, Tuesday? They're going to find somebody probably to play. I don't know how it's going to work or what it's going to end up looking like. But I guess uh, the good news for Michigan is that uh, they don't get to lose again to Ohio State this week, right? That's good news for uh, – for hardball, right? <laughs> I guess right. You can, uh, and there were, and there were a couple of college football games that were played on Sunday this past week. So, I, I mean, right. there is enough time to get it done. Oh, Ohio State is clearly one of the premier programs in college football, and they have the money. So and mm-hmm. I, something's going to happen to get them into this thing. I, I can't see them being out. I just I, – I, 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 they may lose to someone, but – I have a feeling something will will break here, and the, and they'll get a chance to do it. But it, but the sad part about it is the rivalry for sure. I guess for for Michigan fans, but that could be the end of Jim Harbaugh too. So interesting there. Yeah, and another bit of breaking news too. It looks like the Eagles have a new starting quarterback because it seems like uh, Doug Peterson has officially announced that Jalen Hurts is going to get the start this week against the New Orleans Saints, which I think is the right call. I mean, I I, I got to be honest with you. At this point, you are done. You're not winning this game against the Saints. I just don't think you are. If Wentz played great, if Hurts played great, I don't care. You know, you need Dan Marino to come and play quarterback. You're Donovan McNabb back with the Eagles or something like that in order to maybe be competitive in this game. So you might as well see what Jalen Hurts is. You might as well start to get an idea over these last few games of what he is and then reevaluate things and then figure out, okay, can we fix this? Maybe this is a a grouping of quarterbacks we play together in certain ways. Look, that's probably not the answer. But you have nothing to lose here except more games by playing Jalen Hurts. If anything, you get a pretty good idea of whether or not you're just going to have to say, okay, you know what? Hurts really isn't that good or he isn't quite ready yet anyway. So we are going to go back to Carson Wentz next year and rebuild the offensive line and rethink some of our play calling. So uh, the Eagles are making a move. And I don't know about you, Craig, but I kind of feel like it's the right one. What do you think? I don't think anybody would be surprised by this based on what happened last week, yeah. honestly. Like, I understand that it's news, but realistically speaking, if you ask 10 people that watch football last week and said, what if I told you on Tuesday, the 8th of December, that Jalen Hurts was going to start over Carson Wentz, at least 9 out of 10 people would say, yep, not surprised. So mm-hmm. I am personally not. I thought that this should have happened weeks ago. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know how Jalen Hurts is going to play. I take exception to saying that they're not going to beat the Saints. I mean, anything can happen in the NFL. We see that every week and and would not shock me at all to see Philadelphia win. But at the same time, it is the right move for them. And, and hopefully for Carson Wentz, he gets another opportunity somewhere else. Speaking of opportunities, fantasy or reality, how did this come up today? I have no idea. But Bill Cower, fantasy <laughs> or reality, will come out of retirement to coach in 2021. I suppose anything is possible. I did not think Gruden would come back. I did not think Gruden would come back Mm -hmm. to coach the Raiders. So I'm going fantasy. Why would I think Bill Cowher is going to come out of retirement? He's been out longer than Gruden has. Big, fat fantasy for me on this one. Well, the reason it came out is because Boomer Esiason on his radio show kind of dropped this nugget yesterday where he was talking to Cower and they're on the show together. And, you know, Cower was kind of talking about, wow, so many great opportunities and all these other things. And, you know, basically kind of alluding to that he's at least intrigued with that possibility. And it's not the first time this has come up. Bill Cower has been tempted and his name's been tossed around quite a bit. And I got to say, if you're Bill Cower and you do want one last dance here, when you're looking out at Deshaun Watson, when you're looking out at Trevor Lawrence, when you're looking out at some of these coaching jobs where you're going to possibly get a franchise quarterback and be able to compete for a couple years, I can understand that. I think this is a fantasy, too. I just, you know, once you go into the Hall of Fame, I think it's kind of frowned upon to come back and to coach. 
<laughs> you know, I think that's kind of uh, a big problem there potentially. And I think he's been very good as an analyst for quite some time and he certainly has nothing to prove, but I get it. I get the itch and I get also looking at it in this very rare, usually when you inherit teams or there's job openings, they're complete and unmitigated disasters. And, and you can make that argument. Some of these organiz- organizations are, but I mean, the Cowboys have Dak Prescott. And a lot of offensive firepower. They might have a coaching opportunity. Justin Herbert, another guy, young quarterback out there. So I'm telling you, this is probably the greatest free agent coaching market for teams that have availability I have ever seen. And it is going to be fascinating to see who ends up where because so many of these jobs, I think, have the potential at least to be turned around very quickly. I just don't see Cowher coming back either. But I thought it was fun to at least uh, kind of think about for a little yeah. while. I think he would do great, uh, look, to tell you the truth. I, think he would. I, I, I heard five years ago that Bill Cowher would only coach one place, and it would be Carolina because he lives in North Carolina. That job mm-hmm. came open. Ron Rivera even left, and he still didn't coach there in Carolina. Nope. So I, I got a fantasy on this one. And – um Look, stranger things have happened. I never rule anything out anymore in sports. I always leave a gray area for for all stories, but I'm going to say fantasy on this one. I think I always thought coaching. Gruden would come back. I honestly, I always thought Gruden would, and I, I'm actually more not surprised that Gruden came back. I'm more surprised that Gruden has been as competitive as he's been these last two years. I mean, the the, the Raiders are really starting to turn things around, and I think Mayock's done a terrific job there of bringing in and identifying talent like you know, bringing in some of the guys that they've brought in the last couple of years. So look, I, I think that we could all sit back and and kind of, we all rolled our eyes and made fun of it, but now this is a team that looks like they're going to be in the playoffs potentially again this year. And I think that's that's very exciting there. And maybe that's something that other coaches who are now analysts sit back and go, huh, you know, if, if John can go back in there and do it and he hadn't coached in a long time, I wonder if I could. I understand that that dilemma or that questioning of whether or not you still have it. And I think that's fair. Yeah, Antonio Brown was a great move. Okay, (laughs) let's move on to the second subject here for fantasy or reality. The Chicago White Sox making all of the noise since this virtual winter meetings they're telling me has started. The White Sox are the favorites in the American League Central. Can we even answer this question right now? I suppose we probably could in a month, but we're going to take a stab at it here, Joe. Fantasy or reality? reality i'm gonna stab at it. i'm gonna stab at it through the heart that's what i'm gonna do i love this acquisition lance lynn giolito keichel some upside young pitching season lopez definitely have some upside still you've seen good moments out of them the problem is inconsistency but that happens with a lot of young pitchers so maybe if this is the year those guys kind of you know come of age a little bit michael kopech didn't pitch at all last year I think this could be that guy who could even be potentially the answer in the bullpen. We've seen great arms and organizations start off in bullpens and be dominant and be, you know, transcendent in playoff spots. Look at Adam Wainwright years ago and how transformative he was for that Cardinals team that went to the World Series, right? I still remember that 12-6 curveball breaking the knees of Carlos Beltran and me going, boy, this Wainwright kid's going to be a heck of a pitcher someday. And you know what? He wasn't the closer very long. For a short period of time, he was. And Kopech's a guy who throws 100 miles an hour, and he's coming off a year where he didn't pitch at all. To me, that's the perfect example of a guy that, you know, you give him a bunch of starts in the minor leagues, you limit him, and then you bring him into that bullpen, and you just step back and let him work. And if so, this offense is terrific. The Eaton signing, certainly another professional ball player, bringing him in, a guy familiar with the organization, familiar with the town. I mean, they have such young talent. 
in terms of guys like Robert and Lo Jimenez and Anderson and Madrigal and the list goes on and on. And then they've got established great major league MVP talent, guys like Jose Abreu. So they got the catcher. They got all the pieces. And this is not overnight. This has been a long process of scouting, acquisitions, uh, signings, both in the in the foreign market and domestic market. I'm telling you right now, I think the White Sox, you look at them right now, the pitching's better than the Twins, in my opinion, uh, I, I, at least on paper. It, yep. I'm telling you, the offense right now is better than the, the Cleveland Indians. You know, they have Shane Bieber, but they've got a lot of youth in that rotation too. Very good. But I don't know, Craig, I feel like the White Sox are the team to beat right now. Yeah, right now, this is a reality. And it could change, but right now I think you have to say the White Sox are the favorites with everything that they've done. Let's also be clear. The Twins have been really good. They probably are as good, if not better, offensively, and they're only a player or two. Like, they get Sonny Gray, everything changes, you know. So uh, as of right now, they definitely are. The other part of this, too, and it's sort of the equalizer for me, is Nelson Cruz. Because if Nelson Cruz was to go back to Minnesota, then that would be huge for them. And if he does not, they really don't have a replacement for him. So for, for me, it's one of those two teams. I don't see Cleveland as being the favorite. I don't think that would be fair. But uh, sitting here right now on the 8th, there's no doubt that they are the favorite. I will say this. we got a long offseason ahead of us. No one had the Twins getting Josh Donaldson last year either. Let's let that yeah. thing play out, and then we'll decide right before opening day. But right now, yeah, I got, I got the White Sox as well. Okay, finally, it's holiday season, so you know your television is going to have a lot of uh, Christmas vacation on television. The great movie, of course, with Chevy Chase and all of those vacation movies that they made. The first one, that one, Vegas Vacation as well. And Clark Griswold, of course, the main character in this movie, played by Chevy Chase, is a good father role model. (laughs) So so first of all, we're going to ask fantasy or reality. The second reason what we're going to ask here is, Joe, is that what makes a good a good father role model from these specific movies? I would love to know. Well, I don't I don't know if in all the movies, but I think in the Christmas one, it's a reality. I, you know, this you see a guy who's trying so hard. And I this is one of my personal favorites. I mean, it's this and it's a wonderful life. My favorite two of the Christmas movies, and we watched this actually. My kids and I last night are it, it, probably the first of many watchings in December. We will watch this movie. And, and it always strikes me. You know, he's always trying so hard. He tries to bring the families together. He tries to you know, do the family Christmas tree. Let's get the family Christmas tree. He always fails because he doesn't plan out well enough. But I think it, I think that's where he fails in terms of his planning. But in terms of his intentions, he's a good role model. He tries. He he wants to have the traditions. He wants to have everything be a success. He wants to have the perfect Christmas. And I think as a parent, that's what you want. You want to give your kids the perfect holidays or at least close. And there's no such thing as the perfect holiday. Somebody's yelling at somebody. Some There's some kind of problem about something. Some drunk uncle in the corner, whatever it is. This is the reality of life. But I think that's why everybody loves this movie so much because you see all of the wackiness. And I guess in a weird way, it is kind of perfect in the end. So I think in terms of intentions, yeah, I think everybody should have that kind of intentions to be together and have the family together and make Christmas a special time of year or, or Hanukkah or whatever it is you celebrate. So I'm going to say yes, not so much maybe in the vacation movie, but I think in Christmas vacation, he's a good role model. What do you think? Okay, I'm glad you're quantifying that. I'm, I'm quantifying, glad quantifying that because now I know where I can find Joe Pizzapia on vacation, and that will be in a pool with Christy Brinkley at some point. That's yes, fine by that's me. Perfect. That's where I'm going. What time is it? Is the show that, over that's yet? The I think we all deserve. She's like it's 70 too, years old, Craig, and she still looks fantastic. That lady, good for her. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I'll just say reality for fun. How many movies have there been of these? Four or five? Well, I well, there's the European Vacation, there's the Vegas Vacation, right. Christmas, and then the right. original. I think there's only four. 
Did they do like a reboot the last 10 years? I felt like they did another it's, one that maybe I... It's possible. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Brett's thing, yeah, so who knows. I, feel like they I think did, in this I one, this is the best of all of them, I think, personally. All right, coming up next is the Sports Grid 60. We'll have that for you. Don't go away. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. And welcome back to Fantasy Sports Today. Benny Ricciardi will be on our show tomorrow, so make sure you stay tuned for all the latest in DFS and wagering and fantasy football as well as we get to the fantasy football playoffs, not to mention Dr. David Chow will be with us tomorrow too. So all of the key injuries you need to know about, stay tuned to Sports Grid and Fantasy Sports Today every day, noon to 2 Eastern. Let's close out the show with the Sports Grid 60 and Joe Pizzapia. Joe? Been a lot of down stories in 2020, but certainly one of the best feeling stories has to be Alex Smith. This was a guy who was in danger of losing his life, losing his leg, Forget losing his opportunity to play NFL football. And in the pregame yesterday, you saw some of the shots that were absolutely gruesome of what that leg looked like again, in case you had forgotten. And it was one of, if not the most horrific injury I've ever seen. When you see the pins, when you see the system that was around his leg and what this guy suffered through, not just to walk again, but to play in the NFL, and then have a moment last night where you get back to that spot and enough things happen where you become the quarterback of a team again, and you go out there and you beat the undefeated Pittsburgh Steelers, well, that is a feel-good story. And Alex Smith may not play in the playoffs this year, and Alex Smith might not even be the quarterback of the Washington football team next year or anywhere next year. However, I think if you look at this moment in time yesterday, although Craig was not very happy about the outcome of this game, this is something that Alex Smith will remember forever. This is a moment where he was able to play at his highest level again, despite all the odds being against him. And certainly maybe one of the last great uh, moments and memories he will have as an NFL quarterback. So good for you, Alex Smith. That is a great, great story this year that we desperately need. Yeah, bad outcome in the game, but definitely a good story. I'm also going to leave everyone today with a good story, which is the Roberto Clemente Award winner in Major League Baseball going to Adam Wainwright. I can tell you that this is a rare situation where I can actually speak about the player and what he has done charitably. So happy to see him win. Remember, Adam Wainwright basically took all of the players in Major League Baseball playing fantasy football and made it into a charity league that's been going on for many years. He's very big on clean water across uh, internationally and and is and is really just one of the great guys in the game, both in his community and helping people all over the world. So congratulations to Adam Wainwright. Hopefully he gets another year in St. Louis. That'll do it for the show. Thanks again to LTN, Brett, Danny, and Ryan. For Joe, I'm Craig. See you tomorrow at noon. Have a great day, everybody. 